Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, I have so few people in the earth today that will truly believe me for miracles. They will stand in faith and declare that God is a God of power, of healing, of restoration, and of great ability through His people on the earth. So I'm calling you even this day, in those situations which you run into, outside of the four walls of your church, for you to declare the power of God, the ability of God, and the miracle working ability of your Lord and Savior. If you will do that, I will confirm the faith that is in your heart. And you will see many delivered, set free. And those will even come out of the situation like you just prayed over. For my name is to be glorified in the earth. And harvest is on. And many shall not only hear, but see the glory of the Lord. So even this day, be bold and unashamed. And if you'll be bold and unashamed, I'll show up. And I'll be the miracle working God that you always know, have known that I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all ready to study redemption for a little bit? Go back to the book of Genesis. We'll go to Genesis chapter 12. Now, we've gone through creation. We've gone through the fall. We've gone through the flood. That's pretty rough, wasn't it? Everybody say creation, fall, and flood. Now we're on the other side of the flood. And uh, we looked a little bit last, year, uh, last week at, at how God had to come down and confuse the languages. That's where language came from. And now we're going to look at something very unique in the Word of God, which when I first began to be a student of redemption, I found really not that interesting until I began to really see the reality of it in the Word of God. And that is a study of Abraham or Abram. It begins as Abraham, excuse me, it begins as Abram and ends up as Abraham. And a lot of people think, well, how can, how can Abraham have any relevance to redemption? Well, the reality of it is, without Abraham, there wouldn't have been redemption. I don't know how God did it. I think He still does the same thing today. But He looks for someone who will hear. I believe He's always speaking. Speaking, 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 as He was in Abram's day. Abram or Abraham's day. He was speaking, 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 speaking. And I don't know if people heard it and thought, huh, something whistling in the wind. Or somebody heard it and thought, you know, that was some, some bad food I ate last night. Or, or, or what it was. But Abram heard God. Now, that point in redemption is a very important point. Because God is always in the business of communication. Actually, the Bible says that even nature itself is God communicating to us. But God communicates by His Word. God communicates by His Spirit. God communicates through nature. God communicates through others. There are so many different ways that God communicates. Now, before we get into the teaching on Abraham, I'm going to give you four quick points because as we teach these, you'll see how they're relevant to redemption and relevant to your walk with God. God began chapter 12, book of Genesis, to communicate and a man named Abram responded. Now, everything that God ever begins in your life starts with communication. Amen? I mean, we're of the crowd that say we hear from God. Everybody just got real quiet. <laughs> but you got to realize, you know, they got names for people that say, Yeah, I heard God. You heard God. I heard God. You heard God? Amen? Well, I've heard God. Everybody say, I've heard God. So God is always communicating, but it is what you do with that communication 
that's going to determine whether or not you proceed down the road of literally an interaction with the person who created all of this. Did you get that? Now, out of, out, now you can use this in a, we could teach this on a marriage class. We could teach this on a, to business people. We could teach this to students going to school. This, this applies to all kinds of genres in life. First, communication. Everybody say communication. Secondly, fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Thirdly, relationship. Everybody say relationship. Fourth, covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now, let's just, just for, since I mentioned marriage, let's just, this might help you a little bit. The reason why so many marriages go awry, and they say now, they used to say back in the late 70s and through the 80s that, that, that well, half of the marriages that happen end in divorce. That's up to 60% now, even in the church, that marriages end in divorce. Now, here's why. Because many times people start with communication and they go straight to covenant. And in between, the fellowship and the relationship is never established. Amen? You've got to have all four of those pillar principles in your marriage for your marriage to survive. You've got to have communication, which means I've got to communicate with Leah. We've got to have fellowship. We've got to sit down. We've got to have fun together. We've got to talk about things. We've got to have relationship. You say, what do you mean by that? There's got to be relationship, which means that she is working or looking out after my interests, and I'm working and looking out after her interests. You only do that in relationship. And then we have covenant together. You say, what is covenant? Covenant is our marriage, which we protect. The same way as in church. You come to church, you're communicated to. Well, you decide how far you're going to go with that communication. Some people will hear from God and they'll think, well, I like that. Then they'll hear something and say, well, I don't like that. You've got to make a decision how far you're going to let God communicate to you. I've got good news for you. If you'll let Him communicate all the way to you, you'll be blessed. The reason many people are not blessed and they look at others and wonder why are they so blessed is because you've cut God off in areas of communication in which He's trying to communicate to you. Then once you're communicated to by God, you've got to begin to fellowship. You say, what do you mean by that? Once a word comes for you, if it's a word from God out of the Bible, no matter what it may be, you've got to spend time fellowshipping in that word. Thirdly, out of that communication and fellowship will come a relationship. I heard this years ago. Uh, Mama Ward said it years ago. I adapted it into my life, and it is reality. You must understand this is a truth you cannot bypass. You will never have a greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here. You will not have a greater relationship. Oh, I love the Lord. I love Jesus. Me and Jesus, we but No, no, no. You will never have a greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here because He is the Word of God. Amen. I mean, you can go into my library in my, in my office here at the church. You can go into my library in my office at the house. And what you'll find on that second row is rows of Bibles that I have worn out. You say, worn out? I have worn them out. I've written in them. They've been in rain. They've been on airplanes. They've been in the nations of the world. I have written. I've marked. I've preached. I've sweated. I've slobbered. I've done all kinds of stuff. And it's worn them out. Amen? I heard a preacher say this years ago. He says, you have one of two things in your life. You have a tore up Bible or you have a tore up life. Amen? And out of that communication, out of that fellowship, and out of that relationship with God, God stands upon His covenant that He did not make with you. 
He made it with His Son, Jesus Christ, and you got in on it through salvation. And He stands upon that covenant. Well, these principles were established in the life of a man named Abram. Now let's look at it in just a minute. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Said, the, Lord had, the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. Now notice this. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I'll curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. Now, God's communication begins with instruction followed by promise. Now let me say that again. God's communication begins with instruction followed by promise. Now let me say this. Don't, don't get mad at me because you have to come to this conclusion in your life if you're going to be successful in faith. God, not you, God, not you, knows what's best for you. Now, most people don't like that. I know what's best for me. No, you don't. In reality, you ain't got a clue what's best for you. Amen? If I kept doing what I thought was best for me, I'd either be dead or in prison right now. But I had to have some communication from God which came in an instructional form. And as I obeyed those instructions without any benefit eventually the promises connected to them started showing up in my life. That's how it works. It doesn't work any other way. Now notice this. Go down to verse... Uh, since you're there in verse 12. Go to verse... Uh, let's see what verse that is. It says that, it's verse 5. And he removed from thence, or he began to obey, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the west side and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Now, this is where Abraham responded to the communication of God. He went, he heard, as he heard, he obeyed. Now, it's kind of a unique... I've read after a couple of scholars that study the Hebrew language and that study... Uh, the things that went on in Abram's day. And two of them wrote this. They believe that from the time Abram heard God's instruction till he actually obeyed God and left Er of the Chaldees, it was five years. That he hung around five years going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Till finally he said, I guess I'll obey God. And off he went to obey God. Now as he went off to obey God, he came to a place... And when he came to the place, the Bible says he built an altar. Now, to build an altar is that which you do. You say, what do you mean by that? When you go to your home, when you go into your prayer closet, when you open your Bible, when you bow your knee, when you pray every day, that's what you're doing. You're building an altar. You are fellowshipping with God when you do that. And a lot of people, the reason they have such restrained blessing is because they have restrained fellowship with God. But if you'll make a decision to make fellowship with God the most important thing. Listen, coming to church isn't fellowship with God. Coming to church is fellowship with the body of Christ, one another. But coming to church is where God can communicate to you. 
But you've got to take that communication and you've got to begin to act upon it and you've got to begin to fellowship with God. Amen? Now, we can go through all of these chapters, different things. Uh, several other places I marked. Uh, uh, let's see, this would be chapter 13, uh, verse 4. Uh, he came to a place of the altar which he had made. Uh, there at the first, that's back there at Bethel. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Amen. And then, uh, where's this other time? I've got several of these marked. Uh, in verse 14, the Lord said unto Abram. Now here he's communicating again. Said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give thee into thy seed. How long? Forever. So Israel's not going away. Amen. It said, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, so shall thy seed be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth of it, and I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Marim, which is in Hebron, and there built an altar unto the Lord. Now listen, you can go back and look three different times from the time he first communicated in chapter 12, verse 1, until then, and three times he built an altar. This last time, well, it's not the last time, this next time he built an altar, God began to encourage him by saying, listen, I'm not slack on my promises. I'm going to give you this land, and your seed is going to be so numerous that if the sand of the desert could be numbered, it still would not outnumber your seed. So what's he doing? He's dealing with his eyes, He's encouraging him and he's pulling him into the plan of God. So they've gone from communication to fellowship. They fellowshiped at the altar and at the altar, Abram entered in to relationship with God. Amen? Now, I'm teaching this one time, how did a guy get really mad at me? And he says, well, you know, I got born again. I got into the covenant. I said, well, great. How's it working for you? Then he didn't say anything. Listen, when you get born again, you get into the covenant. You're not going to have to go through a process to be in covenant relationship with God. We'll talk about covenant. Everybody say, let the blood flow. Say, let the blood flow. That's what the word covenant means. Now, in that covenant that God has made with Christ, you got in on it because of Christ's humanity being the last Adam. Are you with me? We'll study that a little in more depth when we get into the letters to the church. But just as you were in Adam, now you're in Christ. And that covenant that God cut with Jesus Christ, the scars that are upon His body, the blood that is on the mercy seat, is as much yours as it is His. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But what you must do is you must live in that covenant. And you cannot live in that covenant outside of communication, fellowship, and relationship. Amen? You know, I got, I guess most of them, the staff has taken and turned them into, what are those things I plug into my truck? Flash drives, whatever they are. But they started out as cassettes. But one of my favorite was 12 Principles to Excellence in Ministry by Brother John Osteen. I wore out two of those when they were in cassette form. Literally played them so much that the tape eventually break and they went on the tape player. So thank God we were able to get a hold of another one and we were able to put it on uh, the flash drive or whatever they call it. Brother Hagen's, I could doubt, there's probably 15, quote, tape series that I have 
that I listen to over and over and over and over on faith, on growing up spiritually, on maturity, on love, on all kinds of stuff that I literally live on. And in them is the Word. Then I live in the Word. Then I live in my translations. And I live in my Strong's Concordance. And I live in my notes. I live in that. You say, what point are you trying to make? You have to live in this. And it is a relationship that I have with material things. You say, what do you mean by that? A relationship with this book. A relationship with those flash drives. Yeah, back when they were in cassette form. Uh, sometimes I'd come in, fix them, go to, to, a, to, a, to a meeting somewhere. And I'd say, Leah, where are such and such tapes? Where? And I'd look all over and finally she'd find it or something. I had a relationship with it. And it wasn't with, with the plastic or the ink or the, or the leather binding. It was a relationship with the words that are in there because those words are life and light. And if you want to have a relationship with anything on this earth, you want to have a relationship with light and life. Because everything else you have a relationship with is death. Now, now people say, well, what do you mean by that? There are addictions, that's a relationship. Amen? Somebody communicated to you, man, this stuff will really get you high. So you fellowshiped with it a little bit. Then you got hooked. Now you got a relationship with that thing. You know what I'm saying? And instead of, I uh, like what one guy said, instead of, you know, you sucking life out of it, it sucks life out of you. Back when the Pentecostals used to preach on cigarettes, I used to, uh, one old preacher I used to listen after uh, from down in Corpus Christi, he said, man, I feel so sorry for that poor cigarette. There that poor cigarette sits, he's got a fire on one end and a fool sucking on the other. Amen? The only thing that puts light and life in you is the Word, God's Spirit, God's anointing, God's power. You need that communication, you need that fellowship, and you need that relationship. Can I get a better amen than that? Now let's go over, let's look. Previously, the condition with Lot, he left with Abram, and Lot and Abram had, had friction strife between the herdsmen. And literally, if you study it, you'll see that God, now this is an important point of redemption, God separated Lot from Abram. And basically, Abram gave him the choice. And he chose he a very fertile area, but in that area were the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now the point of that is this. There are people in your life at certain points as you grow in Christ, that God will have to separate you from. You say, well, what do you mean by that? There are people in our lives that although you desire to go on with God, they don't. And sometimes we're so soulishly connected to people like that that we're unwilling to allow the separation to take place. But this is what I found out. When I came to the Lord 34 years ago, and begin to serve God, all of my relationships were over with. I didn't have any. I mean zero. God gave me one person, Brother Chris Harris. How many remember Brother Chris Harris? Gave me that guy, and he used to run around with me. All, all other relationships, I had to cut them off. You say, why? Because they were sucking the life out of me. 
People were calling me crazy. People were calling me religious. People said, what kind of drugs has he done now? I mean, there was all kinds of blowback because of one decision to serve God, to get out of death and get back into life. Now, I'm not saying, you know, well, I guess it's, I guess it's my, my friend that's in the body. No, no, it won't be people that are, that are surrounding you in the body of Christ because we're all a body. There are people that you haven't brought them to the Lord yet. They haven't gotten saved yet. They're, they're, your best interest is not in their heart. They just think you've done something crazy. That you've got mixed up in a cult. That we're all going to end up down in South America drinking Kool-Aid somewhere. I've got good news. We're not. Amen. No, no, you've got to understand there is the Lot Abram scenario in all of our lives in which there are people that must be cut off. I had one friend that, 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 that kind of wanted to hang around, stay around, wanted me to come out to his house and eat, and every time he did, he'd light up a big joint, smoke it, blow smoke in my face. And eventually, when I was in Bible school, this went on for six months, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to have to separate from this guy. If you do not separate from him, he's going to drag you right back into the mud that you're in. And I separated, and he got offended and got mad. And six years later, I led him to the Lord. And he's in heaven today because he died a premature death because of his lifestyle. But thank God I was able to lead him to the Lord. Let me give you a little point. You have to love people enough to get away from them. You have to love people enough to get away from them and get your life flowing in such a direction in which when they see your life, they see God. That's the only way you can help them. I don't know who that was for, but you need to hear it. Amen? So he separated from Lot. Lot took all of that, all of that beautiful area there. Uh, verse chapter 15, go there real quick. says, The word of the Lord came uh, unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, for, my, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my, of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given me no seed, and lo, no one born in my house is mine heir. Now, this is a little bit of whining. Least you think Abram was a perfect man. He lied twice about his wife. We'll show you that in a little bit. But now he's whining because God gave him a promise and it hadn't come to pass yet. Because he had been communicating, fellowshipping, and he was in relationship with God. So he was able to talk to God like this. Listen, when you're in relationship with God, he will put up with your whining for a while. But eventually he will correct your whining and help you to understand that if he said it, he intends to do it. You've got to get your eyes off the clock, your eyes off the calendar, and you've got to quit saying, God, if you don't do it by tomorrow, then it can't be done because God can do anything, anytime, anywhere and make yourself known. Amen? Now notice. Go down to verse 3. It says, and, and he brought him forth ahead and said, Look now toward the heavens, and tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, he already showed him the dust. Everybody say the dust. But obviously this encounter took place at night. So at night, he must have been getting discouraged. So God showed up, began to communicate to him again, began to fellowship with him, began to build on that relationship. And he said, Abram, come here, let me show you something. 
He said, look up in the sky. Could you imagine what the stars must have looked like 4,000 years ago? 4,500 years ago. No, no big cities, no refineries, nothing like that. I'm, I bet it was just a, 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 a huge mass of light up there. He said, now look, Abram, you, I see you're discouraged. You're whining a little bit. I got to keep you in faith. I got to encourage you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up, look up in the stars, see all those, so shall thy seed be, as innumerable as all of these stars. Now, now, now get this. He had no written word. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have Bible commentaries. He didn't have a Strong's Concordance. He didn't have Pastor Rusty's CDs. He didn't have the, the podcast. He didn't have none of that. All he had was what God had said and what could he remember of what God had said. So God showed him the dust. That kept him encouraged in the day. But in the night he was discouraged. So God showed him the stars. So wherever he looked at the dust of the stars, the dust of the stars, the dust of the stars, he was reminded of the promise of God. What do you keep in front of your eyes? What's Proverbs say? Proverbs for my son, attend to my word and climb thine ears into thy saying, let it not depart from thine eyes. Keep it in the midst of thy heart, for it is life, for you have found it, and health to all your flesh. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. You've got to make a decision to walk with this as the only blinder in your life. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you religious people, you're just blind to all the problems of the world. No, we're not. You're just blind to what's going on here. No, we're not. What we're doing is we're keeping something in front of our eyes that gives us the true perspective of what's really going on. And in that true perspective, we are fueling, increasing, maintaining, solidifying, and building a relationship with the creator of the universe who's the only one that can save, the only one that can help, and the only one that can deliver. So he's got him encouraged. Everybody say encouraged. Go up to verse, uh, let's see, go to verse 9. He said unto him, take me a heifer. Now here we go. I want to end up here today. Take me a heifer. Everybody say a heifer. How many know what a heifer is? How many do not know what? If you don't know what a heifer is, raise your hand. Everybody knows what it is? A heifer is a young female cow. Amen? That's what it is. So if somebody calls you a heifer, say, I'm not a heifer. He said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Now all these are animals. They're all animals. He said, And he took unto him all those, and he divided them in the midst, and laid them, each piece, one against the other, but the birds divided he not. Now notice this. You've got to see this. He's got a heifer, a young cow. He's got a she-goat. And then he's got these birds. And what he does, now are you ready for this? He takes and divides them from their nose to their tail so that they fall in half like this. A cow and a goat laying there cut in half with all their insides, with all their blood, with all that laying right there. You got the picture? You got the picture? And then the doves are basically just torn is what they're done. If you go back and study that, it's what they're done. Now notice what it says. It says, when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So automatically, killing the heifer and the goat and the birds 
was death. And when death went out, it pulled the predators in. Now let me say that again. When death went out, the predators came in. They wanted to get it. Now, the same is true. What's going on here is Abram is cutting covenant with God. A covenant, the Abrahamic covenant is being cut with God, which is part of the covenant you're in today. So there's this mess. It stinks. It's ugly. It's putrid. There's two dead animals that have been just mutilated, laying on the ground in all of their blood. But covenant, everybody say, let the blood flow. Covenant is being cut between God and man. But then, as always, the way it is on the earth, the predators try to come and steal the covenant. And Abram drove them off. The predators of the demonic world are always trying to come and steal your covenant. But you have to drive them off. Devil, you're not having my healing. You're not getting my prosperity. You're not taking my children. You're not getting my job. You're not going to destroy my business. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it in the name of Jesus. You've got to stand. You've got to believe God. And you've got to drive off the predators. If you don't do it, they're going to eat your covenant up. Amen? Now notice this. Begin to get pretty supernatural. It says, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror or a terror of a great darkness fell upon him. And he said, or God said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs. And they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation which they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. Whoa! Did you know this didn't happen to over 400 years later? And God is giving Abram a word of wisdom, which has to do with the future. Listen, that means in our covenant, you have a right to know the future. You don't have to go to somebody rubbing on a crystal ball or, you know, how do they do it, with tea leaves or something. The Bible says the Spirit of God will show you things to come. How many things in our life, sweetie, we've known... Years sometimes before they ever happened. You say, why? In covenant with God, God will begin to show you the future. He said, listen, you're going to have a family. That family is going to grow into a nation. That nation is going to go into another nation. They're going to enslave them. But I'm going to bring them out, and I'm going to bring them out with wealth. That's exactly what happened in Exodus. Just like God said. He said, why? Because God was in covenant with Abram. Amen? It says, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace, a burning lamp that passed between the pieces. And in the same day the Lord made covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river Egypt unto the great river and the river Euphrates. Then it begins to talk about all the different nations, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Preserites, all the different ones that God said, they're living there now, but they are in your land, and you've got to go get it. Amen? Now, the redemptive significance. Now, we're going to get into chapter 22 next week. Abraham and Isaac are Abraham offering Isaac, which is the most incredible 
redemptive significance of anyone other than Jesus in the Bible. But now what we have in the earth since the fall of man, no man was in covenant with God in this manner. You say, what do you mean in this manner? Noah had a covenant. I even believe uh, Adam, after he sinned, had a covenant. I believe that's what those skins that God dressed Adam in were part of a covenant promise that God made to, to, to Adam. But now we got a literal covenant that a man on earth cut first. And the blood of the covenant flowed. Now, if you go back and you study ancient times, this is where many of our missionaries in Africa found their greatest success. When they began to just go in and teach the gospel, they looked at them like they were, you know, you got Jesus, we got this tree, you got God, we've got our God rises in the east. Every, I mean, that's the way it was until someone started preaching blood covenant. Because the African nations understood blood covenant and the doctrine of blood covenant opened the door to preach the gospel all over Africa. Because in the ancient kingdoms of the world, especially in the Middle East, Covenants were cut between families to bring strength. Say you had a family that was a warrior family. And they knew how to, they knew how to make swords. They knew how to make uh, shields. They knew, how to, they knew how to fight. They knew how to organize. They knew how to do all of that. But they couldn't feed themselves. They didn't know anything about farming. So they'd go up and they'd find a family that knew how to farm. They couldn't fight. Every time somebody would come and attack them, they'd just kill everybody. So they would say, listen, let's cut a covenant together. And in this covenant, we will swear by covenant terms to protect you. We want you to swear by covenant terms that you will feed us. Amen. That's why a lot of family names have two names. There's a, I was thinking of a, the guys we support, the crusade, Smithwick. Well, that was probably the Wick family and the Smith family that came together 2,000 years ago in a covenant. Many, many names that sound like they have two parts. If you trace them way back to their origin, it was two different families that came together. Now, many times they would bring a male or a female and marry them. And in the marriage ceremony, they would literally have what's called the alleyway of blood in which they would take animals from each side, they would cut them asunder, and as they stood in that blood and in those guts and in all that gore, they would rehearse the terms of the covenant. We're the Smith family. We, be, we have armor. We have swords. We have companies of men. We know how to fight. We know how to heal wounds. We know how to make battle plans. Uh, we're, the, we're the Wick family. And I, we don't know none of that. All we know is how to plow the ground. We know how to raise chickens. We know how to get eggs. We know how to make souffles. We know how to, so they come together as the Smith-Wick family. And as the two covenant partners stand, they'll stand and they'll take a knife around this finger right here. And they'll cut a wound around that and they will infect that wound and create what we use as a wedding ring today, which is our covenant. But that wound around their finger would be the sign of the covenant. So if there was ever any problem with the covenant, those two covenant partners would go to the person who was causing that problem in the covenant and they'd hold up their hand like that. And that scar on that finger would say, uh-uh, you can't do that. That's outside the boundaries of the covenant. And we're bound by the covenant that if anybody violates the covenant, we're bound to destroy you. You know, it, what's amazing about that is the plight of the American Indian was based on covenant. 
Because they understood blood covenant and every time they signed a document with a white man, they thought they were going into a covenant. And when they did violated that document or paper, they were bound by what they thought was covenant to try to destroy them, which they couldn't do. But today, we have a covenant representative. And in his hands, there's two holes. And in his feet, there's two holes. And there's a big old gaping wound in his side. Amen? And the alleyway of blood was not covered up with dirt after the covenant was cut. The alleyway, the alleyway of blood is now upon the mercy seat of God where the blood of Jesus has been poured. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 9, not by the blood of bulls and goats. That's covenant talk. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by His own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Amen? So you have to learn. Now listen to this while we're teaching on this. You have to learn to live a redemptive life based on the covenant. You have to, relearn, you have to learn to resist your adversary based on the covenant. You've got to learn to receive from your father based on the covenant. You say, why? Let the blood flow. God, let the blood flow. And he cut that covenant with his son Jesus Christ who showed up on the earth in human form. That means we as human beings, as we respond to the last Adam and make him Lord and Savior, we step into all of the benefit of that covenant here on earth. You say, well, what are the terms of the covenant? How about, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How about, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for his iniquity, by a, a chastisement of our peace was upon him, by his stripes. How about, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How about, call upon me and I'll show you great and mighty things. How about, give and it shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, running up. There are times in prayer and in intercession when you get in the spirit where I will hear myself saying it. It doesn't come out of my mind because I couldn't think it up. It comes out of my heart or spirit when I say in the name of Jesus, you cannot violate the holes in his hands. You cannot violate the wound in his side. You cannot violate the blood on the mercy seat. You cannot take what belongs to me in Jesus' name. He said, now wait, Pastor, you're talking about getting a little violent. The Bible says, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now let me close with this. And, and, and if this makes you uncomfortable, makes you mad, come back and hear the rest of it. If you're suffering, if you're sick, if you've got financial problems, addictions, all kinds of issues in your life, the covenant that you have in Christ is being violated by your adversary. Number one, everybody say number one. Make sure you're not cooperating with him, period. Get the sin out of your life. Quit living in sin. You say, well, what is sin? You know what it is. Because when you get sin out of your life, you have a right to stand in that alleyway of blood and make your declaration against your adversary and tell your adversary in the name of... We've seen it happen with finances. We've seen it happen with our own physical health. We've seen it happen in so many different areas where, listen, it wasn't some little sweet, now I lay me down to sleep. It was in the name of the Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You cannot make me sick. You cannot steal my money. You cannot mess with my mind. You cannot. And I'm telling you, when you stand understanding 
the rights and the reality of your covenant in Christ. That's why redemption is so important. So you must, everybody say, understand. You must understand redemption. Number two, you must practice. Everybody say practice. Number three, you must speak. You say, what do you mean? You must speak a redemptive language. So many people, their language is just salted with, well, that just tickles me to death. I'm dying to do this. That's not covenant talk. When you learn to speak redemptive language, you're, not going, to sound, you're going to sound abstract to people. Jesus walked into Jairus' house. His little daughter died. He said this, your daughter's not dead. She's only sleeping. The Bible says they laughed him to scorn. But then it says this, when he had put them all out. You've got to understand there will be things that you will say in your life, things that will come out of your mouth that people will laugh you to scorn. But if you'll stand because you've been communicated to, you fellowship with, you have a relationship with God, and you stand in that covenant, if you will not falter and you stand by your side of it, God is faithful to stand by His part of the covenant and bring healing, deliverance, and blessing into your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. We thank you that we've not been redeemed by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Abram stood willingly, daringly, and cut covenant with God Almighty, we stand thanking you that through that cut covenant, there in Genesis chapter 15, Jesus came to this earth. Because of that covenant, He redeemed us. We can be born again, our sins remitted, and the blessing of God can be in our life. We thank You for it. We thank You for it. We thank You for it. Father, thank You for this wonderful day. We lift up all of these people right now. Lord, we know that Your Word and Your Spirit is so much stronger than anything they're going through. We covet them for the move of God. We covet them for Island Church. And we surround them with faith and love right now thanking you, Father, Satan shall not steal them in Jesus' name. Father, as we leave today, we thank you for protection and safety being upon all of our lives. No matter where we go nor what we do, we thank you. No evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Father, we thank you whether we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. We are kept and protected. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands, many in the medical field, many up in the oil patch, many in construction, many in education, teachers and students. Thank you, Father. We are not subject to trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Father, we also thank you for a great door of utterance outside the church. Thank you, Father. Each and every one of us will remain sensitive all week to what God says to us in our spirit as we come across the lost, the undone, the unloved, those that have never experienced the goodness of God. Let our mouths be open. Let our hands be busy. Let us be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the adversary, and a miracle in their lives. Fathers, we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. A God so mighty, so strong, that from a fall in the earth 6,000 years ago, you redeemed us by the blood of your Son. Oh, we're so thankful. You're worthy of receiving our lives, for you gave your life to us. We leave today walking as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. We leave today thanking you for each other. Thank you for our church. We walk in love. And we leave thanking you, Father. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, <clears throat> empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a
Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.